You're listening to the Jim Bradford Podcast, conversations on faith, life, and leadership. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Today we're kicking off a new series of conversations, and in these conversations, Pastor Jim explores the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus. Though not as often preached in a congregational setting, the pastoral letters are rich material for anyone serving in ministry or spiritual leadership. In today's episode, we explore how the pastoral epistles have impacted Pastor Jim and what makes them unique within the New Testament and within the letters of the Apostle Paul. I think you'll find this material, the letters themselves, but also our discussion about them helpful, insightful, and also encouraging, recognizing that we're not alone in this pastoral work. As always, thanks for listening. Well, it's good to be back together, Pastor Jim, and sitting down for uh, what is a kickoff for a new set of conversations. We just came through talking uh, over the last few weeks about science and particularly questions, often the doubts that may rise up from uh, scientific questions. I, I thought some really interesting conversations. Um, but we're going to turn our attention for, for probably a, a good chunk of time to the pastoral epistles, which is an area of interest for you. I know you've been doing some writing there, uh, the letters, of course, to Timothy and Titus. Uh, maybe a good place to start is just what what got you interested? When where did that interest in the pastoral epistles come from, um, and the role they've played for you? Thanks, Chase. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to these conversations. Uh, um, you and I are both pastors, of course. You uh, you pastor a church that you started, uh, what we call a church plant. I'm pastoring a church that has been around for 114 years, and we are two very different generations. And you're a dear friend and. Uh, so, uh, as we look at these pastoral epistles, I mean, just the title grabs me, uh, there, there were written two pastors and, uh, given the kind of work I do and that you do, um, I, I think they have a lot to say to us and I've, I've been fascinated by them for years, uh, partly strangely enough, cause there's a few difficult pieces. Every time I read through them, there's a few places I go, I don't think I still understand what Paul was saying there, but but largely, um, I've, I, some of my favorite New Testament passages are in the pastoral epistles. I've always loved Second Timothy, and uh, I, I think First Timothy chapter four is one of the greatest leadership chapters in the Bible. Um, but more recently, um, I was asked by Africa's Hope to write a two hundred page sort of applicational commentary on the pastoral epistles which they tell me will be used for the the training of probably thousands of pastors who are preparing for ministry in Africa, pastors to be. So um, th- that really has focused my attention the last couple of years. Uh, I've got the book drafted. It's been through ed- editing processes right near the end of that right now, and hopefully will be published in early 2022. So I've, I've been kind of immersing myself in, in, in these three books and, uh, and, and I really welcome the opportunity to do that. I, I just think it's great material. Yeah, my experience has been similar in that um, I've never preached congregationally out of one of the pastoral epistles. Um, and so you can sometimes get into a, a habit of, of, of forgetting about them, if you will. Uh, you know, you're, you're preaching out of these big letters that Paul wrote to the Romans or to the Corinthians. Uh, and then you sort of remind yourself of 
these little letters that he wrote to Timothy and Titus. And then I find myself every time I, I come back to them again, just being struck by the per- the personal nature of them, mm-hmm. um, the uniqueness of them being written to an individual who is in pastoral ministry. It really strikes me. Um, but maybe a good place, too, is just to, to square off sort of a definition of what the pastoral epistles are and what qualify as the pastoral epistles. The pastoral epistles would be uh, th- three of Paul's letters in the New Testament, First and Second Timothy and Titus. Uh, they, they are a little different than most of Paul's letters because most of Paul's letters were written to whole congregations. Uh, he does write one to a friend by the name of Philemon and is kind of has a real-time specific request he's making from Philemon. Um, but First and Second Timothy and Titus are the only pastoral epistles that are actually addressed to pastors, basically two pastors, two church leaders, Timothy and Titus. And, you know, because of that, I, I do find them more challenging to preach out of to a congregation on a Sunday morning where I often use material from the pastoral epistles when I'm talking to pastors, but when I'm talking to a larger congregation, it is admittedly Yeah, it feels more, like you're preaching to them about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah It's exactly. like, this is a word for me. So. Exactly, yeah. And how often do you hear a, a sermon series through the book of Titus? You know, I mean, mm. I mean, it, 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 Titus has got a, some really inspirational passages in it, but but most of it's just a blow-by-blow handbook on how to lead a church. And so uh, it's a little hard to separate the principles out. I like First and Second Timothy for exactly the reason you just mentioned. There's a lot of personal connection. Paul doesn't really say anything personally to Titus um, of note, but he, he he does say quite a bit to Timothy at a personal level, because he deals with both who you are as a leader and as a pastor, as well as what you do. So that gives you broader applicational material to people's lives in general, especially the personal stuff. But but they are they are Paul's three letters in the New Testament to, uh, to, to different pastors, and uh, I, I think that's fascinating. One of the challenges I think of anytime you come to Paul's material is we all sort of we we have an imagined Paul that I think often is made up of certain characteristics. So there's the, like the Galatians Paul where he seems to be pretty worked up as he's writing, and then there's the Romans Paul, which is so complex sometimes in his logic and theology that you know Peter says he's hard to understand at times, and uh, you know you get the Corinthian Paul where he seems to be so focused on the Spirit and trying to under trying to correct the way, make room for the Spirit to work in proper ways. Um, you can sort of get these like different kinds of Pauls. Is there something that the pastoral epistles give us of Paul? Something about the way he does approach those letters? that you think rounds that out or, or gives us something that, that adds to this image of who Paul was as a, as a writer, as apostle? Yeah, First Timothy and Titus uh, give you a real a breadth of Paul as, uh, you know, as a church planter and as a leadership coach. Um, uh, Paul's writing to Timothy when he is on assignment at Ephesus, which was a much more mature uh, church had been in existence uh, a number of more years than the newer church plants in Crete that um, that Titus was overseeing, and and to see Paul's versatility there, how he even deals with some similar situations like qualifications for leadership in a local church, uh, he deals with that both in First Timothy and in Titus, which he probably wrote about the same time. But um, but it's interesting his adaptability at at a his adaptive genius 
to uh, addressing the needs of younger churches with with Titus and more mature developed churches uh, in First Timothy. Um, and, and you see, you see Paul the mentor in these in these books again, less with Titus, but especially with with Timothy. Uh, you see all of you see his heart. He he truly he called both of these guys his sons in the faith, and and so he, you see this kind of very passionate heart he has for those he has mentored. His own view as a spiritual father. These really come out in the pastoral epistles. Well, one thing I love about Second Timothy, especially, however, is it's probably I think Second Timothy and Second Corinthians are the two most personally transparent letters that Paul writes. I mean, he kind of pulls the curtain back, talks about how he feels, talks about some of his insecurities, talks about some of his anxieties. Second uh, Timothy four, he, he he just goes through a list of of people that have really hurt him and 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 how he's dealt with that. I mean. You see sort of the emotional, more the emotional, personally transparent Paul in Second Timothy. Um, he, Second Timothy is dealing less with church leadership technique uh, or discipleship objectives, but, but, he, but he's, he's really anxious about Timothy himself. He's anxious that Timothy's not making the progress he should be in Ephesus. He's hoping Timothy doesn't abandon the cause like some of his other friends he mentions in Second Timothy. And he, he, he tells Timothy, I think I'm going to die really soon here, and this might be the last thing I ever write you. And, uh, and, and so it's just, just transparent. Second Timothy's always been a favorite of mine. I would like to maybe reflect on how the pastoral epistles have impacted you throughout your your work as a pastor. Um, is it something you've intentionally incorporated into into your consumption of scripture? Is it have there been pivotal moments where these were really, you know, kind of defined what pastoral work for you? Just the role they've played for you as a pastor. It was probably oh, at least a dozen years ago. I was pastoring in Southern California. No, it's been over over a dozen years ago. I was pastoring in Southern California, uh, still pretty young. I'm in my early 40s, and um, you're not that old yet, but I consider that pretty young <laughs> in my early 40s. And I was taking kind of a day with the Lord, and I was I was reading slowly through First Timothy 4, which I, I do think is a masterful leadership chapter. And I get to the last verse, verse 16, and it said, pay close attention to your life and to your doctrine. Of course, he had been assigned there to correct false doctrine. Uh, Timothy had been. So so I took doctrine as preaching task. And when we did all the podcasts on my book, Lead So Others Can Follow, um, you know, we, we unpacked this. I, I thought I thought to myself, what, what would it mean to pay close attention to my life as a, a spiritual leader? And what would it be? what would it mean to pay close attention to my spiritual task? And so I developed, um, I developed two lists. Uh, the, my task list is basically that forced me to put my philosophy of ministry into writing and my life. Those are the things I watch out for, try to watch out for. So those were chapter one and chapter five in my lead. So others can follow book. Um, uh, and, and then, uh, you know, I, I, I am pastoring at central assembly of God and, I this is my second time around there. I came here 18 years ago, pastor five and a half years before I went next door to the Assemblies of God National Office for a position there. And then uh, just in the last few years, I came, I've come back to Central as a pastor, never pastored a church twice. So the very first series I preached 
coming back was out of Second Timothy. I just, I, I just felt like this is a good friend. This has the kind of principles of some things I would really like to unpack as a pastor uh, in my first few months back at this church in this brand new adventure for me. And and so um, th- those would probably be the most two pivotal points that the pastoral epistles really intersected and and, and shaped some of my pastoral thinking. I do read them often, uh, just in my regular Bible. You know, I would in a year I'd read through them several times. But um, but uh, those are the more focused points, especially the last verse of First Timothy chapter five. I I put it on a business card. What my life and my task involves. I've probably given out over 10,000 of those to pastors and spiritual leaders over the years. And um, that was pretty significant for me. I'm looking forward to when we get to that chapter. Yeah, that one's, it's had a huge impact on me too, probably picking up from hearing you and then sort of digging into it myself. Um, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about the writing process for working on a commentary. Um, material you're obviously familiar with, but you know, I, I assume it wasn't as simple as sitting down and just writing what you had thought about it before. I mean, I've gotten to read through uh, some of what you've been working on. There's quite a bit of, of detail that went into it, obviously work and research. Um, what has that process been like of trying to dig even deeper and, and, and put the pastoral epistles together in a way that might be beneficial to a pastor here or even in Africa as, as it's intended to be used? Right. Um, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the academic content behind biblical study, uh, but I, I am not like a formally trained um biblical theologian. I, you know, all my degrees were engineering, but at least it gave me a head to do research. So to be very honest, the writing process uh, started with forking out money and buying some really good commentaries. <laughs> and uh, That's where I, everything starts for me yeah, too. So yeah. yep, usually they go into my Logos software, but yeah, big exactly. list of commentaries. Exactly. And then, and then Africa's Hope gave me like a 16-page writing style guide because this is this is a genre I've never really written in before, and uh, it, it's for as I mentioned the training of of new pastors throughout Africa, um, and uh, there are a whole variety of educational levels behind those people who would be reading this, and so it 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 couldn't it it, it didn't need to be quite as academic as a formal commentary. It needed to do to be to explain the text at a certain level of academic preciseness but largely largely to be kind of a a narrative on the text as it applies to what a pastor needs to know and what a pastor experiences in real life situations and so that that's where I, I could more rely on my own years of pastoral experience to blend just a kind of a verse by verse analysis or or paragraph by paragraph analysis, uh, just to sort of narratively write about what Paul's saying, why he's saying that, and how it applies to us. So, because it wasn't just a pure academic commentary, um, it, it was a it was a genre of writing that I was a little more um, a, a little more comfortable with. Uh, although it was a great brand new challenge to do this. I, I, I write better in the mornings than I do in the evenings or late afternoons. And so I had to kind of adjust when I was working on this writing project, I had to kind of adjust my daily schedule around, tried to do some writing, probably a couple of hours every other day. And, uh, and then at times 
COVID hit then while I was still writing on this. So I was home all the time. Sometimes I could add a few, uh, a, a few times. I can't write all day. My brain gets too mushy. Uh, you know, you, you write a lot more than I do, Chase, and you have amazing podcasts, you know, the pastor writer podcast, and you, you interview all the best writers out there in the Christian yeah, world. I couldn't, I couldn't help so, slipping into questions about writing here and exactly. hearing you had worked on new and so, books. And so, so I'm very aware that what I'm telling you is probably very lame. That that's, uh, no, I'm an amateur writer. Mm-hmm. That's my, but I found this as a really great exercise. Yeah. Um, were there were there things that changed for you? I mean, having spent so much, I mean, you you allude to these pivotal moments in your own life and ministry being impacted by the pastoral epistles. It's not like as if it was new material to you, but yet spending this focused time, really digging deeper, writing about it, did it? Were you impacted in new ways through that process of writing? Um, yeah, I was. I was inspired. Not this is this is not the first time, but you can't read the apostle uh, the the pastoral letters. And hear Paul's heart without, without just being in awe of the gospel, in a fresh way. And I, I would say that was my biggest takeaway. Um, and and I've always tried to prioritize the gospel. I've always had an extremely high view of the gospel. There's nothing like the gospel of Jesus Christ and its comprehensiveness, its power to transform lives, its uh, its centeredness in the death resurrection, uh, the death burial and resurrection of Christ, and all that flows out of that, as as the redefiner of identity and life and everything. But but because because um, the theme of, of the apostle uh, of the pastoral officials, in part, in large part, especially First and Second Timothy, has to do with correcting doctrinal error. Just this constant case for the gospel that Paul keeps making, I found really. Really profoundly deepening in my in my own spiritual life. It just was another step in 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 the awe I have in the beauty of the gospel and the simplicity of the gospel. Yeah, and striking that you know you would expect the gospel to be central, like in Romans, where Paul's writing to a congregation he's not visited. He's expressing his views. You know, the gospel is going to be at the front of that. But here, even when it's somebody he knows as intimately as Timothy, and yes. dealing with problems on the ground real pastoral issues, it's still the gospel that comes through for Paul. He's still operating out of how, do, how does the gospel get applied to this pastoral situation? Exactly. It's the absolute center of everything. And, and Paul's deeply concerned about deviation from the gospel that was emerging in the Ephesian church that even had the seeds of emerging in the young churches in Crete that he had left Titus to oversee. Uh, threats to the gospel were were the whole reason behind the writing of the pastoral epistles. And so you you come out of it with this really high view. I think the other big thing that really struck me was, was, um, was just that constant attentiveness to what's going on in my own heart as a pastoral leader. And uh, as you know, Paul doesn't go there with Titus, but he does go there with, with Timothy quite extensively. Um. If you were going to encourage pastors listening to maybe, uh, as we're going to do over the, for several weeks to come, really carve out some time to dig into texts and talk through uh, what Paul's writing to these pastors, uh, if you were going to encourage them to pick up the pastoral letters uh, and spend some time in them, what what reason or encouragement would you give them for maybe this being a great time to to really dig in in a similar way? I would, uh, if you're in any kind of spiritual leadership at all, I'd I. I'd, I'd start working, reading slowly through, picking up commentaries. If you're unsure, there are a couple, there are two or three pretty difficult 
sections in the pastoral epistles that you may need some help with to understand some of the context Paul was speaking to in order to understand what he was saying. There are Gnostic errors. There were, you know, just some things you need to be tuned in on, especially the woman in ministry passage. You really need to be tuned on the very, into the very unique issues there in Ephesus at that time. Uh, but other than that, um, I, I would, I would pre-commentary uh, just uh, make it a practice. Uh, first of all, initially to take half a chapter a day and just read it through four or five times that half chapter, pray, and then have something to write down and write down one thing. What is God saying to me as a spiritual leader out of this? Um, and, and just start like that. And so out of all the chapters, if you take them half chapter at a time, you're going to develop a bit of a life guide list. It's not going to be a commentary analysis, but it's just like, what does this challenge me about? What does this speak to in my life as a leader? What do I need to correct as a leader? What what discipline do I need to add to my life as a leader? How do I look at my life differently as a leader? And how does the gospel integrate into all of this? Um, just take half a chapter, read it five times, uh, even praying scripture. I think the pastoral epistles are great for praying, turning every verse into a prayer back to God. You can do that. But then write one thing down for every half chapter that you think may speak to your your role personally as a leader or your leadership responsibilities. Uh, maybe one more question before we move to prayer. I know a lot of young pastors wish or long to have a mentor figure or somebody, you know, you see the relationship between Paul and Timothy, and I know a lot of young ministers are out there saying, I wish I had a Paul figure that would <laughs> write to me or talk to me. Uh, can can the pastoral letters serve in a way? There's no replacement for that person in your life or people around you. Um, but have you found them to be that kind of encouragement for you of yeah. that wisdom being passed down? Yes, de- definitely. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's up close and personal mentoring, and there's distance mentoring. Um, I, I, I've I've called some people I don't know really well personally but I've watched them from a distance and I would say they've had a mentoring effect on my life. Yeah. Uh, some authors that I've read, famous authors have had probably larger impacts on me than almost anyone else. Just reading everything that they've written and, and finding in them a kind of mentor relationship. Exactly. So the pastoral epistles will invite you to make Paul your mentor. And if you, if you really let him speak to who you are as a leader, as he speaks to Timothy and to Titus, um, uh, yeah, he, 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 he becomes your mentor in a one, in a wonderful way. There, there's a little, there, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you say, well, I may have a mentor up close and personal that somebody maybe have breakfast with once every other week and, and you just talk through life and you're accountable and, and, and you interact and maybe even your mentor has kind of a bit of a regime, a regimen they want to take you through. It, it depends this mentoring is a little this mentoring has a component that's hard to replicate unless perhaps you're on staff with a lead pastor that's willing to invest in you this often does not happen in in a church staff situation but timothy was actually in titus they were on assignment from paul paul they represented paul where paul could not be uh paul really trusted them and that that adds another whole flavor that's probably the gold standard of mentoring where you're actually serving together and you're getting feedback on what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, that, that, that on assignment together piece 
adds a richness to the mentoring. That's how Jesus mentored his 12, right? He he called them so that they may be with him and so that he may, and, and so they would preach the gospel, preach the kingdom and have authority to heal and cast out demons. And, and then Jesus would call them back and they debrief. And But they were an active ministry partnership with Jesus. Timothy and Titus were an active ministry partnership with Paul. And that's the richest kind of mentoring, which most of us, we'll never get in our lives probably to be honest with you but but we can still learn from a distance and Paul definitely can become your mentor in uh, in the pastoral epistles yeah well uh like we often do it'd be great to turn to prayer and uh i i imagine there this is a season you and i both know well but know from pastors we know as well that has been trying for a lot of pastors it's felt isolating and exhausting maybe some of the same nerves and anxiety going on in them that Timothy was experiencing in his assignment uh, and my heart's just this, this this series of conversations, this time together in these pastoral letters would do for uh, pastors listening, for anyone in a spiritual leadership role, whether it's volunteer or part-time or full-time, that uh, that they would find the kind of encouragement that I think Paul's giving through these letters, and that it would, uh, as you've put it well, uh, awaken just a, a, a deeper connection to the gospel, a sense of the gospel, a joy that we find through the gospel, and uh, one of our favorite topics to talk about, a kind of stamina for this work Mm -hmm. that uh, the Apostle Paul gives us through these letters. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are Lord of your church. You're the great shepherd. We're the under-shepherds. We're your partners. Thank you, Lord. You said you would build your church. Your words exactly, I will build my church. Lord, you didn't tell us that it's all up to us, but thank you you're building your church. Thank you you care for the flocks that we care for. Thank you you care for the small groups we may lead or the food pantry ministries we may coordinate or whatever kind of influence or leadership we may have. Thank you these uh, that they're just extensions of your heart for people and your heart for the church that you bought with your own blood. And we just pray encouragement, Lord. I, I just pray that, Lord, you will bring encouragement to us by your Spirit. Father, it's not been easy to lead this last year, and I just pray, uh, Lord, as we're still emerging out of COVID, as we're trying to figure out what ministries look like post-COVID, as we're really trying to figure out the very different behavioral patterns that people have now that are that are a part of our congregations, and, and as the mission, Lord, the missional challenges to share the gospel with our with our culture just getting more complex. I just pray you'll give us courage, give us strength, give us wisdom, Lord, as your leaders. We we lean on you, Lord. Just help us, we pray. And and may your encouragement just lift us up today. We thank you this is your work and not our work. And so we give you praise and we give you our hearts and we give you our lives and we give you our responsibilities so we don't carry them alone. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Jim Bradford Podcast. We would uh, really appreciate it if you would take the time to leave us some feedback on the show. You can do that by leaving a rating or by typing out a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we hope you might consider subscribing to the show. We're looking forward to a lot of the conversations to come in the weeks ahead, and it would mean a lot to us if you'd be a part of those. If you have questions or topics that you'd like to ask Pastor Jim to hear him cover, we'd appreciate it if you'd take the time to send those in. You can do that by email by going to questions jimbradford.org. We'd love to be able to take a look at those and get them featured on the podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.